Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mark Striegel. John Astronomy. The Talking Metal Podcast. Coming to you from the Silver Spacecraft. I'm Bud Friendly. And now your hosts, Mark and John. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are here at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville, Tennessee, August 26th, 2017. This is a great convention where all the rock podcasters are getting together. There's also a lot of notable rockers, musicians, producers, and we are honored right now to be joined by legendary producer and engineer Toby Wright. Toby, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How Thank, are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. And I'm thrilled to be talking to you. You have such an incredible catalog of stuff that you've worked on. And I'd love to hear some stories about some of the artists you've worked on. But sure. before we delve into the past, what are you, uh, what are you currently working on? I'm uh, actually working on developing a few artists here in Nashville. Um, and also working on some technology type stuff. Uh, some apps and some healing sounds and well, some stuff like that. Toby, uh, you were telling me that Nashville has always been a great music city, but it's expanded a lot with a lot of different genres of music recently. And we were talking about how many different uh, people moved here instead of going to New York or L.A. And uh, have, what have you noticed in the last five years about how cool Nashville has become? I think just the level of talent, really. Um, you know, the, the musicians here are incredible. Uh, you go downtown and, and uh, you know, go to the Strip any night of the week, any time of the day from 11 a.m. on, and there's some incredible cats playing. And, you know, Absolutely. if you can sit through the country cover songs, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that, that that has grown so much in the last five years, you know, because Nashville is cheaper, I think, than, right. than any of the coasts. Um, and, and, you know, I think that really you know, plays into the musician's pocket these days. Definitely. Now, Toby, before moving to Nashville, you were an L.A. guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and then and New York before that. Wow. Um, where are you originally from? New York? New York City, yeah. Oh, cool. I grew up at, at Electric Lady in New York. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've, I've been down to Electric Lady uh, twice. I was uh, in there once when uh, Guns N' Roses was doing Chinese Democracy. Okay. And then I was there with Ace Frehley to do um, not an actual recording, but the recording of a... Uh, like a, a television uh, show or, or okay. a YouTube show, right. but it, but it's such a legendary studio. That's great. I didn't know that you worked in that studio. Yeah, I worked there for two and a half, almost three years. Wow. What and, years? Um, what year range? God, uh, eighty to eighty-three, maybe. Wow. So I, yeah. I was very young, and you know, just cutting my teeth in the industry, going to school at NYU, and, uh, and then I, you know, got I wanted to do engineering and stuff, and so. Um, 
you know, the maintenance man, his name is Sal Greco, a wonderful, wonderful human who built Princess Paisley Park and, wow. and also um, a studio here in Nashville. Um, he cut my teeth on the maintenance aspect of it. Nice. Um, so, you know, he was like, if you can fix it, you can definitely operate it. So I went with that, you know, for about 10 years or so and, and then got into the, uh, then moved out to L.A. and got into all the, you know, assisting engineering and engineering and eventually producing. Wow. Cool. And you're producing and engineering. I mean, it's just the catalog is just legendary at this point. I mean, there's Thank so you. many classic records, records that changed my life. I just want to pick your brain on some of them. Uh, a record, you know, we always hear about Nevermind by, by Nirvana being this, like, uh, game-changing album. But for me personally, it was, you know, who, a guy who was kind of tuned in a little bit more to what was going on on the under, underground. The album that really to me, set the, the tides changing was that first Alice in Chains record, which was a good two to three years, I believe, before Nevermind. And that's an album you worked on, Alice in Chains, the self-titled record. Uh, incredible stuff. How I, I remember hearing stories that these guys were a little more like like 80s rock sounding but they when they got into the studio or maybe right before they kind of changed and evolved into something else is that true yeah to to a point um i will correct you however i did uh, i started with alice and chains on jar of flies which was their oh, actual okay okay uh, sorry fourth about that. Yeah. recording no that's okay um because that that record was done in 10 days from Written, recorded, produced, engineered, and mixed in ten days. Okay. Um, and Wikipedia has you down. I'm working on the first record, by the way. So well, don't trust Wikipedia. You know how Wikipedia yeah. is. Yeah. You can self-edit that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but no, that's okay because you know that I think that record, the Jar of Flies record, was one of the one of their best. And right. I think it yes. was at at their you know peak of of songwriting at that point. Um, and a lot of you know they had just come back from a Lollapalooza tour, so they were hot. You know, yeah. he just went in the studio and and just nailed it. And on that record, one thing again in in the 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 rumors and, and the stories that we hear about that record specifically was was Lane was start you know starting to kind of because of his addictions, uh, not quite he wasn't quite there and Jerry really had to step step things up and we hear a lot of Jerry's voice on that record was was there problems with with Lane at that point when you were working with him how how um, how mentally and physically there was he during the recording on, on that record he was as lucid as we are yeah well wow, um, okay. cuz he had just come back from the road and personal habits yeah. hadn't taken hold of him quite yeah. yet okay um, and then subsequent records the dog record and things like that it was a little bit tougher um, because of whatever personal habits he was into right okay okay and did you work on the the unplugged record with him i did too? i did that from beginning to end everything you see in here is i touched it and was that 100 percent live or did they come in and touch 110 percent live really wow okay <laughs> there's no overdubs allowed um so the rules for the mtv unplugged is you're allowed to play uh you know the song that you're playing as many times as you'd like um to get the right take right okay so some of the songs we had to play you know four and five times to get it right there's you know uh i put in some of the some of the blunders if you will on uh the dvd where you know sludge factory is played five times yeah um 
but it was really like I don't know 15 or so and because Lane kept forgetting the lyrics right yeah the main reason was because the it was about Sony and the heads of Sony and they were all sitting right in front of him so yeah yeah he got a little intimidated I think <laughs> which was kind of funny um, how about working with Corn? I mean, that was just a blockbuster record. Follow the leader, right? Yes, just, sir. Just again, one one of those records that just really kind of was a game changing thing. You know, uh, now we that music that style that they kind of started with that referred to sometimes as new metal, if you will. Right. How do you feel about that title, new metal? Uh, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's all music to me. I, right. I'm not a category type of guy or a genre kind of guy. I just love music in general and you know from country and folk all the way up to you know what they call death metal right so it's all it all has its purpose it all feels good to me mostly is that a hard um, record to make follow the leader it took 18 weeks yeah okay uh, which is a long time um, and it was it was challenging in the in the ways of trying to get the members all the focus okay um, and you know I, I was hired just to engineer the record at first um, and, and uh, Steve Thompson was brought on as a producer and then he was let go for whatever reasons uh, yeah. you know about a third of the way through and then I took over from there okay and so it was to me you know it was all about experiments in sound because um, we did a lot of weird I did a lot of weird miking techniques and weird things to get you know some of the sounds that are on that record. yeah which is definitely some Just, unique you know, sounds for sure ladies and no plugins right right yeah <laughs> Uh, Mark, could you just double check that that thing it fell down? But okay, so Toby, I wanted to uh, talk to you about a record that that I really love that I, I wish uh, got more notoriety than it did. But there are a hardcore group of fans who loved Carnival of Souls by Kiss, and I wanted to ask you, like, just from the very beginning, did did you know Fallen Jean, or did they come to find you because of the work you've done with some of the other artists that you work with? Uh, they came and found me um, through Bob Ezrin. Great. Um, and Bob had recommended me to Gene and Paul uh, because of the work I had done with in the grunge scene. Right. Um, you know, notably with Allison James. And uh, I guess Bob thought that those workers were really good. So Which they were. So he recommended me. and. I accepted, and I'm very glad I did because it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Yeah, so uh, you produced that with Paul and Jean. Did, did they, how did it work with all three of you? Did you, did you kind of lead the way and then they, uh, you know, just chimed in if, if there was something that they felt strongly about? Or tell me how that worked. Yeah, that was, that was about how it worked. We did, you know, they had already, they wrote all the songs. Uh, I don't remember how many were written, but we chose, you know, the the breadth of what's on there from what they had written um, together. And then the next, after that, then you know, I kind of took the lead in the studio. Uh, we rehearsed, you know, with uh, with Eric and uh, with Eric and Bruce. And after that, we just went in the studio and, and kicked butt, you know. Yeah, the and the record is amazing. One of the songs that I I wish that Gene would do something even more with and possibly bring back is Childhood's End. I, I love that song. I love that song, too. And yeah. I, I was trying to recreate, um, you know, some, uh, some of the Bob Ezrin tricks on that one. Very cool. Um, you know, with the huge 
you know, children in the background and right. and all that stuff that he's so famous for. And I knew that Gene loved so much, you know. Yeah. So I was trying to follow a mentor again. <laughs> now, how was it? How was uh, the participation of a, a great guy, a great musician, and a great friend, Bruce Kulick? Uh, he had a lot to do with that record, right? Oh, a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. A lot more so than everybody else. Wow. You know, he really kept it going and wanted everything to be perfect. Um, and, you know, he put his poured his heart and soul into that record for sure, right. and it shows. Yeah, and he even sang on that record. He right. certainly did. But, which is great. Now, with, with Bruce not being known as a lead singer, um, how, how did that work out? Did Was it a natural thing for him, or did you have to kind of coach him? into uh, how to how to do a track but a little of both um, cool. you know he had a good idea of how to approach it and then you know i would i would listen and you know do my producer thing where you know yeah that's a really good you know sentence or a really good take overall and you know let's try another one and you know just to get you know something else out of it where did you guys do that because I, i've seen a, a photograph that's used in the album artwork and it looked kind of like um, like a rehearsal type place, but also could have been like a live room in the studio. Did, where did you, like, what kind of studio did you use? I forget what it said in the liner notes. Like, yeah, we did, um, we did everything, uh, almost everything, I think, at uh, Music Grinder Studios, which was on Hollywood Boulevard at the time. And oh, cool. now Corn actually owns the studio. Oh, wow! I don't know if they still do, but they did. But they did a couple years ago. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, that's a really excellent studio. Um, cool. I've used it since you know the mid '80s. Um, and uh, we did we did most of it there, and then uh, the the cover shot I think is done um, in a man named Kurt Cuomo's uh, oh, right. I, I home know. studio at the time. Oh, okay. I don't know so, him personally, but I, I'm familiar with his name. Yeah, yes. he's, he's been around the Kiss world for quite a while. Wow. Okay, so that yeah, that was the picture I was thinking of. So that wasn't where you recorded most of the record, but that's where you did some of the right, right. Yeah, we did a little bit of work there, but you know they just. I'm not sure why they felt that was an appropriate place to take the picture, but okay, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it worked. Let me get, let me turn this back over to Mark for a second. Thank you for for that great information about a great record that I, I wish all of our listeners would go back out and give a give another listen and much many many more listens. But absolutely, Toby, you've had such an incredible career. When you look back over it, what are some of the highlights? Who are some of your favorite artists that you worked with? Oh man. Um, Kiss, of course, Alice, Corn Boys, um, Chris Whitley, I can say, uh, without hesitation. Um, so many more. And, you know, it just, I've, I'm very grateful to all the artists that I've worked with because they've all taught me something on, on one record or another. Yes. And I, I really, I think that information is valu invaluable to me and to help other artists in the future. Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining us here on Talking Metal. Where is the best place the listeners can get in touch with you online? Uh, that would probably be tobywrightmusic.com. Cool. We'll have that link through today's show notes, and we're also going to hopefully have a picture of John and I along with Toby at the Rock and Pod Expo here in Nashville, Tennessee. Toby, it's an honor talking to you. Thank you. Appreciate it. This is Childhood's End by Kiss on Talking Metal, and, of course, by Toby Wright.
for eternity.